You can support this podcast on patreon.com forward slash firstpawmedia. Here's to the adventure-seeking dog mushers out there. The hundreds of you who stand on the runners dreaming and thinking about the northern lights. Of course, there is something else you can do if you've got something to say. Start a podcast with First Paw Media and harness your creative side. Maybe even earn enough money. Enough money to tell yourself, hey, I'm not just a dog musher. I'm a rover. I'm a wanderer. I'm a voyager. I'm an explorer. Visit firstpaw.media. Mush on over today. Radio Free Palmer 89.5 KVRF presents Mushing Radio, hosted by Robert Forto. Mushing Radio is about dog-powered sports, living in the Great White North, and mushing. Visit our website at mushingradio.com. Here is your host, Robert Forto. Hello and welcome everybody. This is Robert and you're listening to Mushing Radio here on KVRF 89.7 in the Matsu Valley. RadioFreePalmer.org is our live streaming site and you can find all of our episodes over on firstpaw.media and you can find us on social media under that name as well. Make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode wherever you follow your podcast. And if you would like to support our show, head on over to patreon.com slash firstpawmedia and show us a little bit of love. Tonight, I uh, have on both of my co-hosts, Tony and Michelle. Michelle, how's it going today? It, You know, it's been a busy week. It has been a busy week. And Tony, how's it going in your neck of the woods? Uh, it's going pretty well. It's, uh, it's melting. So I, I'm happy. My dog is happy to uh, be able to spend some time outside. He is not an Alaskan husky, so he is more of a summer dog than a winter dog. You know, I'm just waiting in the wings for you to make those puggaroons. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, guys, we have a very special episode for you guys tonight. Uh, during I Did a Rod, we got wind of a podcast that was dropping on one of my favorite podcasts of all time. It is called Outside In. It's produced by the folks over at New Hampshire Public Radio, a radio station just like ours here in Palmer, Alaska. And right in the vein of Sweeps Week in, uh, in old school real TV days, they dropped trailers and whatnot for a series that's coming out called The Underdogs. And this is in fact, a mushing story. And we teased it quite a bit uh, in the later days of Iditarod. And boy, what a story it is. And I'm excited to get involved with or in, in depth with this and do a little bit of a review. It is a three episode series. And if you have not heard it, I would recommend pressing pause here and heading over to Outside In Radio and uh, listening to that series before you hear our conversation. We'll be here when you get back. So with that, let's talk about episode one, Honey and Vinegar. And it starts off uh, with Nate Hedgie. He is the reporter for this series. He travels, travels up to Alaska on kind of a secretive tip about sort of the underworld, if you will, of competitive dog mushing. He heads up to <laughs> Fairbanks, Alaska, to a kennel called Dewclaw Kennel, owned and operated by Jody Bailey and Dan Caduce. Both of those guys have run the Iditarod and Yukon Quest many times, including 
Dan just finishing up Iditarod a couple of weeks ago. And it tells the story about a couple from New Zealand that uh, is working in the area and running Iditarod and preparing to race and all that, your typical mushing story. And they are from New Zealand and they have a hard time trying to get their dogs back home. So they make a deal with Duke Law Kennel, Jody and Dan, for them to stay at the kennel for several months while they get their affairs in order. And if you've ever flown dogs, not only here in the country, but of course overseas, it is a time-consuming process. It's not something like taking your pet dog and put them in a crate and throwing them on Alaska Airlines and they're there when you get back. When you're trying to fly an entire team down, it can be one heck of a chore. And it's often a very expensive endeavor as well. But it does not end well on this first episode for Jody and Dan. And for this first episode, I'm going to allow Tony to kick us off here and uh, give her take on episode one. And then we'll go to Michelle. Then we'll go to our, myself. And then we'll preview episode two and go from there. So that's sort of be the format of tonight's show. So Tony, what are your thoughts about episode one? I know that you are very friendly with Jody and Dan. So let's start off there. Yeah, I met Jody and Dan when they ran the Testamino 200 my first year as the official photographer for that race, which was uh, 2012, 2013, 2012. It was 2012 and um, very cold race. And Jody was just, is just such a sweetheart. If, if you get a chance to, to meet both Dan and Jody, Jody, of course, is more extroverted than, than Dan, or at least more outgoing. Um, which I loved in this first episode that you got to see or hear at least uh, the difference between the two because she's, you know, bouncing and singing songs to the dogs and Dan, and she's like, come on, Dan, tell this story. And he's like, no, you go ahead and tell it. So um, I loved that part. And I loved that um, the podcast started out with that happy tone because the rest of the episode, it, went dark pretty quick. Um, like I said, Jody's an absolute sweetheart. She will give you the shirt off her back. Very encouraging. She's uh, one of the biggest encouragers uh, of my little photography career, um, taking pictures of sled dog events and sled dogs and mushers. And um, I have stuff in my Iditarod room of just her notes of encouragement and whatnot. So um, for her to not only share this story, but for her to, I mean, it's, it's such a, it's such a frustrating story and she has so much grace, even in this first episode, I had only barely heard of something going on. I didn't know who it was about. I just knew that Jody had posted some vague posts on social media. I want to say in 2020, it might have been 21, you know, the pandemic, it all blurred together in one giant year. But she was vaguely asking about a certain team of dogs and if anybody else had come across them. So to have this podcast come out and have the mushers trust a non-local media source to tell the story fairly um, it, you knew it had to be a big deal. You knew it had to be 
something not only worth the media's time, but also something that was just so frustratingly horrific that mushers were willing to kind of break that code of silence and talk negatively about another team. So let me jump in here real quick before Michelle uh, says her part. Uh, The series is about a uh, New Zealand musher. His name is Kurt Pirano and his wife, Fleur, they were the first team from New Zealand to compete in Iditarod. Of course, if you don't know much about Iditarod, it's a thousand mile race across Alaska. And they moved up to Alaska to to really start an American team. They have a very profitable, if you will, back in the day, sled dog kennel in, uh, in New Zealand where they give rides and boot camps and tours and all that sort of stuff. But they came over here to run this race and, and got themselves in a little bit of hot water. And I remember when we were reporting on Iditarod, uh, Alex and I, over the last few years, and we, we talked about Kurt and his... Uh, his race and and how he was doing, et cetera. He may have even been a musher profile of the evening, as you will. But you're right, Tony. Mushing is a very secretive world, sort of, I guess. Uh, Definitely a small community. And I'll talk about that a bit in my write-up as we go. But let's turn it over to Michelle. What is your thought about uh, the first episode? Well, so my thought on the first episode is that... Nate is a outdoor adventure uh, reporter. He reports on backpacking trips, camping, skiing, you know, extreme sports done in the outdoors. So why wouldn't he have done a podcast like this? And quite honestly, as an outsider, I think that he would have been the best choice, if not the only choice to cover this story. And I say that because he has a degree of understanding about our type of people, outdoor enthusiasts, extreme adventure sport people. Um, And so he does have an idea of why we are so passionate about what we do. The added, the added controversy is the dogs where people aren't sure if the dogs are actually choosing that same high intensity adventurous lifestyle. And in my opinion, Nate does a great job bringing all of the elements together. Why we do it, what's dangerous about it for us, what's dangerous about it for the dogs, and rounding it out with the dogs do absolutely love the sport. And so for me, I thought that he did a great job And I don't think it's as scary as um, our fellow mushers are going to think it is. Um, I think it actually gives a true perspective of the sport from all angles. As far as uh, Jody and and Dan go, I've never met them personally. I know that we have interviewed them on the show um, during Iditarod. And I know that they uh, have competed for a long time. I found the story that Jody told to be um, about the dogs, not about these people, um, but more so about what these people were doing on behalf of their own dogs. No cruelty was done to the dogs except for the fact that they were abandoned and other people had to step in and care for them as they should have, in my opinion, because we would have, but at the same time, they were being lied to 
over and over and over again for whatever reason that I'm sure we're going to dive deeper into. Yeah, you're right, Michelle. This this is a story about the dogs and sort of their trials and tribulations with them at not only Duclaw Kennel, but uh, in the other episodes as well. And, and first off, I have to say that, uh, you know, they teased this right on the spot. Uh, the, the quote was, we're just one dead body away from Tiger King. And that uh, pays homage to that sensational documentary that was released right during COVID. And like I said, I've been a fan of Outside In Radio for a long time. I've probably listened to every episode, so I'm very familiar with Nate and his reporting and sort of the focus of the show. And I have to agree with Michelle that it probably was best to have uh, a reporter from outside other than somebody from Alaska, because they can get a, a very well-balanced story. They're, you know, they're not the locals, so to speak. They're not, you know, somebody that, that you see every night on the light, nightly news or, you know, with the microphone in your face at, at a race or whatever. But from a musher's perspective, this type of thing goes on and on and on so many times. I mean, I can... I can think back to my 30 years in dog mushing and just uh, remember all of the deals very specifically uh, related to this. You know, hey, I'm on hard times. Can you watch my dogs? I'm sure I'm, I promise I'll pay you, so on and so forth. And, and as we're going to talk about in episode two, up until this point, and I'm sure it's going to change drastically after this podcast episode, most, most contracts contracts were just a handshake. Uh, yeah, we'll do this for this amount of money. Just make sure you your your stuff in gear and, and uh, we'll be here when you get back. And that's that's sort of how things work in, in the community. As Nate said, it is a very uh, closed, uh, close-knit community. Everybody knows everybody and, you know, uh, good, bad, or indifferent, we know everybody's business. And it's interesting how to most of the mushing world, this and the world in general itself didn't know about this story, but it truly blew up in the last couple of weeks. And now everybody's talking about it and it's sort of making its rounds on social media by saying, oh yeah, I re vaguely remember that as Tony said, but I didn't quite put the, uh, you know, the A, B, and C together to equal D. But uh, this was happening sort of right under our noses in the mushing community. And it's interesting in that it went on for so long, for such amount of money, uh, with pretty high-profile mushers. I mean, uh, Kurt and, and uh, his kennel ran in some of the biggest races in the world with Iditarod and the Quest, and he did it several times. He just didn't do the one-and-done thing that so many people do. They come up, they pay fifty dollars or $60,000 for a belt buckle, and then they go home, and rarely do you hear about them again. But this guy was trying to make a name for himself, and we're going to talk about in episode two how it went way back, well before his dealings with Jody and Dan, but all I have to say to sort of end this episode, and we're gonna give we're gonna give each of the other co-hosts a, a rebuttal, if you will, uh, to this. But I'm just gonna say this is this is not something spectacular. This type of thing happens all the time, and I, I'm curious to see how it will affect things in the future. And well, I think, hold on, I think that's I think so. That's what we'll see there. So Michelle's wanting to chime in. She has her hand up. Michelle, what's what's the rebuttal? <laughs> well, if I recall correctly, 
Jody had even said those very things herself. Like these, we do these things for each other. When, when somebody's down and out, we do what we can to help them. You know, that's the musher way, if you will. And so I don't think that, that she thought that she was going to get screwed. Yeah, I agree. So Tony, what is your uh, sort of rebuttal or final thought on this? Yeah, just like Michelle said, you know, Jody said maybe she was being naive. You know, it wasn't like he was some random person that they didn't really know. He'd run several Iditarods, uh, same years that she ran, that Dan ran. Um, UConn Quest, same thing. You know, he it wasn't like he just came out of nowhere and said, hey, I have all these dogs. Do you want them? Um, but, you know, that's where it kind of went downhill really quickly like she said in that first episode when the dogs got there and they weren't uh mannered quite in the same way that their dogs were and so they had to build their own little section of the kennel because the dogs didn't get along with each other much less the dogs that were already there at Dewclaw um you know and I I want to point out Jody has come out on social media uh every time that you know the the episode would drop uh, saying that the only reason she's speaking out now is because there is a happy ending for these dogs. And I don't think that's a spoiler to say at this point, but it, like Michelle said, it, for Jody and Dan, it was always about the welfare of the dogs. It was, you know, they weren't going to just get rid of these dogs when things went bad, you know, and just go, whatever, they're on their own now because the humans were not holding their end of the contract. Um, you know, they they had a responsibility to these dogs that weren't their dogs, but they were all these dogs had. And, you know, knowing Jody, I know that it had to be so frustrating, not just because they were getting screwed over, but because these dogs were getting screwed over. They were not, they were not being given the respect that we normally see mushers give their dogs. Right. And Tony, one last thing here. Um, as a musher, or I should say as the, uh, token handler forever for our (laughs) kennel, I will say this, anytime I have helped any Iditarod musher pick up their dogs from the airport that they've dropped and brought them back to my kennel, I do not house them with my dogs. So it's not, it's less about their dogs not getting along with Jody and Dan's dogs and more about the fact that it takes time to acclimate a group of dogs like that into an established pack. And so they wouldn't have been able to do that within, you know, the first few days. It would have taken months, if not weeks. And you do that by introducing them to a team that you're running or, you know, stuff like that during playtime. You start off very slowly. You can't just throw in... 12 dogs into a pack of established dogs and think that they're all going to get along. They were right to have to have had to build them a separate area. What was wrong is that Kurt either didn't care or didn't bother to think about that as part of the consequences of him dumping these dogs on these people and their generosity. So the episode ends with uh, Kurt Pirano and his wife, Fleur, owing uh, Jody and Dan a heck of a lot of money. And they just get pushed off and pushed off. And uh, tensions grow quite a bit larger as we go into episode two. And I tell you what, uh, 
uh, I would probably be in the same boat. And interestingly enough, uh, they were charging $3,000 a month to house these dogs. And I think it was, what was it, 15 or 19 dogs, something like that, Michelle? Uh, no, I don't think it was quite that many because I remember that they, by the time they got to the jet pets, there was 12 and they they rehomed three back to Alaska and then the nine were split up. Yeah, however many it was. So they were charging $3,000 a month rent, if you will, for, for the kennel and the feeding and the taking care of them and all that. So that's going to come into play in a much grander scale in episode two. And we hope that you guys will stay with us for our breakdown of that one as well. From DogWorks Radio, this is Mushing Radio. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we invite you to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find a link on the episode notes. You can tap or swipe on the episode cover art, and you'll see some offers from our sponsors. You can support our show by supporting them. If you like what you have heard, we would love it if you could give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe, too. Your host is Robert Forto. Our producers are Michelle Forto, Alex Stein, and Tony Ryder. Our executive producer is Robert Forto. Created for DogWorks Radio and First Paw Media.